welcome to mini episode 83 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Jacqueline Tuzio, Fiona McKenzie, Erica V, Nicholas Seaton, J Mac 2, Ashley Laframboise, Lisa Robinson, Gemma Flower, Katie, Judy Weber, Maureen Rhodes, Jamie Walker, Liz S. Pishemislav Bakleda Zarski, Louis Esparza, Charles Murphy, Lisa, Bruna Diaz, and Dale Wilkie. Thank you so much for signing up to our Patreon. It is so appreciated and you are so loved and I am grateful for you every single day. And I have three listener stories for you today and the last story is from August the 10th, 2020. Story number one comes from Ashley. I know that most people cannot remember anything from when they were a baby, but I've had one memory that has stuck with me for a very long time. To give some context, I lived in a four-bedroomed house with my mum, my dad and my older brother. The fourth bedroom was a spare room for storage, which used to be a playroom. And the fourth bedroom had a long corridor which led towards the rest of the landing where all the other rooms were. It was quite separated from the rest of the house and always creeped me out when growing up because the corridor had no windows and the only light shining into it came from the spare room window. It made for a very dark corridor and the floorboards seemed to creak a lot in that area. When I was very, very young, the type of age where you can't really remember back to, My mum had put me into my cot in the spare room, while my brother, who was three years older than me, was playing with his toys on the floor. My mum was watching over us, but for some reason she took my brother out of the room. While I was alone in the room, I could vividly remember a whisper of someone next to me, but nobody was there. And the annoying thing is, I can't remember what was being whispered to me, but it is something that has stuck with me my entire life as I remember the smooth tone of the whisper, but it only ever happened once. I never told my family this in case they thought I was making it up. Anyway, time went on and over the years nothing really creepy or supernatural happened other than just the odd occasional footsteps from the upstairs corridor to the landing and into my brother's room, which we always laughed at and said, your friend is back again, to my brother. When growing up, there always seemed to be colder areas in the house. The dining room downstairs and the living room next to my dad's computer desk used to be very cold. My brother was always a typical prankster and loved freaking me out. And when we were younger, we had a bedtime routine where my mum would send us to bed by eight, ready for school the next day. She would come up and see us to bed with our family dog Rex, who would make sure we were in bed. Honestly, that dog was like a nanny, making sure we went to bed on time, otherwise he would bark and let my mum know we weren't in bed. Mine and my brother's rooms were side by side, and we always hated the dark, so we both had our bedroom doors open at night, so the downstairs hallway light would shine a little into the both of our rooms. After our mum and Rex said goodnight to us and went on downstairs, we would always spend 15 minutes talking about random shit, like what superpowers we would like to have, or other boring kid stuff. Outside our rooms was the long, dark corridor leading to the spare room, which we both hated to look at, 
When I was around eight and my brother was 11, we did our usual routine and said goodnight to our mum. My dad always worked the night shift. And we talked for 15 minutes about boring stuff and then said goodnight to each other. Then we started to hear floorboards creaking. And like usual, I thought it was my brother just popping to the loo or doing something. But this time the floorboards were consistently creaking like someone was leaning forwards and backwards on the same spot over and over again. My dog started barking downstairs and my mum shouted up, You better get back into bed now. And yet the floorboards persisted. I then shouted to my brother that he needed to get back into bed before my mum comes upstairs and tells us both off. And my brother then shouted back, that he was still in bed and thought it was actually me moving about and making the floorboards creak. I told him it wasn't me. All of a sudden we both heard the floorboards creaking louder and louder and were getting closer and closer and the footsteps were heavier. But you see, the only place where the floorboards creak so much was in the corridor. So whoever or whatever it was that was making the footsteps was coming from the corridor to either mine or my brother's room. And we both had our doors open, which made it so much worse. I was too shit scared to close my door, so whatever this thing was, had easy access to my room. I remembered feeling so scared that it felt like I'd stopped breathing and was waiting for my inevitable doom to come around the corner and enter my room. And then the footsteps got very close and seemed like they were about to enter one of our rooms. And the noise stopped. And then ten seconds later, all I heard was my brother screaming, very, very loudly. I was frozen in place, not knowing why he was screaming, but also not wanting to find out. My mum and Rex ran up the stairs so quickly, that when I heard my mum's voice, I ran out to her, knowing that she would protect me. As we all went into my brother's room, we saw him clenched tightly in his bed, crying non-stop, just staring into the corner of his room directly opposite the corridor. He eventually calmed down and told us what he saw. He said he heard the footsteps get closer, and thought it was me about to enter into his bedroom, so he was sitting up in bed, expecting it to be me, only to see a dark figure walk straight into his room, and it walked from the door to the other side of the room and vanished into thin air. After this, I had to sleep in my brother's room with him for a couple of nights until he got over it. I later found out, when my mum told me stories of the house being haunted, that before I was born, my brother used to play in the playroom which was downstairs. He was riding a scooter around the hallway and my mum and my auntie were cleaning out the spare room. And when they turned around to talk to my brother, the door slammed shut. The door handle would not move down as if someone was holding it up and my mum and my auntie couldn't budge the door open. My brother was on the other side screaming. The door had no lock on it either, so there is no way that the door could shut and stay shut with the handle being held in place like that. After a minute the door handle went back to normal and the door reopened and my mum and my auntie rushed to comfort my brother. My mum is a true believer and has always gone to see a psychic every Thursday night with my auntie and my nan, where they would get messages from the other side. I never went to this, as I always had my suspicions that these people were frauds. But my opinion changed entirely, and here's why. 
When I was a teenager, our family dog Rex started barking and growling at certain areas in the house, especially the dining room downstairs and my dad's computer desk. These were the cold areas that I mentioned earlier. He would also growl at the corridor with his heckles up, like he could see something that the rest of us could not. One day we let Rex outside in the garden, and when we came to get him back inside we couldn't find him anywhere. We looked for him all over, but he was nowhere to be found, until we finally noticed that he had dug himself a hole out of the garden and into the driveway, and we found him hiding under my dad's car. I couldn't understand what could have happened to make Rex so scared that he had to literally dig his way out of the garden. He was always such a loving dog, but this time he just seemed petrified. As a family, we were worried that he was trying to go somewhere private to die in peace. It is known that dogs who know that their time is up will like to go quietly and privately and often get a place where no one can find them. We tried to get him back into the house with a lot of restraint from Rex. We tried to entice him with food. We tried to get him on his lead. But for whatever reason, he did not want to go near the house at all. It got to the point where my mum got the psychic medium from her Thursday nights to come and visit the house. The medium walked around the house and told my mum that an old man who had died of old age had gotten himself attached to our dog as our dog looked a lot like his dog before he passed, and he did not want to travel to the other side without our dog with him. The medium blessed the house and salted it, and it seemed to work as Rex instantly started to come back into the house and go into the rooms again. Before the medium left that day though, she confirmed that this man who had died was not a local man, and was someone who had just gotten attached to our dog. My mum asked why or how a spirit had found us specifically and the medium told my mum that the downstairs dining room and my dad's computer desk in the living room were portals to the spirit areas. It was a gateway where spirits could easily get in contact with us. This was why these areas were so much colder than the rest of the house. The medium confirmed that we most definitely have had encounters with spirits before in the house who had just come through the gateway. The creepy thing about this is that the dining room is directly underneath the spare room corridor where I heard that person whispering to me all that time ago. Was this connected? I don't know, but it would make sense to me if it was. From my mum's psychic meetings, she has been told that there are certain members of our family who are gifted, but I've never seen a spirit before or actually come into contact with one, much as I would like to. But I do seem to have a few supernatural experiences, which a lot of people would call deja vu. But with me, I seem to have seen stuff in my head, and remember seeing the exact layout before in a dream that I had previously. When I was young, my family took a trip to the Tower of London, and when we were there in the tower, I saw this knight outfit holding a sword in this stand behind a glass covering, but could remember seeing this night before in the exact same setting in my dream or in my head. I then, at that moment, managed to predict the thing that would happen next, which was that a young boy would start crying on the other side of the room for some reason unknown to me. When I looked to the right of me in real time, the same person who I saw before in my dream was actually there, and he started to cry. 
I thought this was strange, but didn't think much of it at the time. But when I think about it more and more now, I can't help but feel that we must all be connected in some supernatural way to the past and to the future. I have a theory that spirits are not the souls of people who have died in the past, but could be the spirits who have died in the future, and travel amongst time to the place which comforts them. Again, this is only a weird theory that I have. And story number two comes from Calvin. I remodel kitchens and baths in Missouri, which means I enter the homes of strangers on a week-to-week basis. I encounter all types of people and experiences, but so far I've only had one paranormal experience on the job. The work crew only consists of me and one other guy, but one of my specialities is tile installation, and I usually do that alone. Some people don't seem to feel comfortable leaving their home with contractors working there. However, this homeowner didn't have a problem with leaving us to work alone, albeit in the company of their little dog who was blind and a very loud barker. Every time I went outside to cut tile, I would have to walk from the back of the house where the master bathroom was located, down the hall and into the living room where the front door led outside. The little dog would spend his days laying on the couch. He didn't bark when you opened the door to leave, but he would bark every time you opened the door to enter. He'd jump up from his nest of blankets on the large couch, yelping loudly, running towards you. He'd only stop after he got a good long sniff at your ankles. I was tiling the shower, which consisted of two by six grey tiles when my work partner Ron arrived. I could hear his entrance by the sound of the door opening and the air pressure slightly changing, not to mention the loud barking of the dog. He walked to the back bathroom and we had a brief chat. As I've said, tiling is my speciality and he rarely sticks around to help with it. This day was a Friday and I knew he was eager to get home. The homeowner had left earlier and wouldn't be back until later that night. It was early evening and I wanted to finish the section of tile I was working on, even if it meant working a little longer than usual. Ron left, wishing me a good weekend and saying he would see me on Monday. I went back to tiling and about 20 minutes later I heard who I thought was Ron yelling loudly from the front of the house. Cal! Instantly I heard the dog start barking as usual. I yelled back, What? And waited, listening for a response. All I heard was the bark of the dog. I sighed loudly and walked to the front of the house. No one was there. Just the dog sitting in its usual spot on the couch, barking loudly and persistently at the front door. I walked over and opened it and looked out. It wasn't like him to yell in a customer's house but I assumed maybe Ron needed my help unloading material for the job, and even though I thought he had left for the weekend. Perhaps he had walked in, called for me, and walked out to start unloading. The only car in the driveway was mine. Ron's hulking blue van was nowhere to be seen, and I looked around and really noticed, for the first time, how far away I was from anyone else. The nearest neighbour's house wasn't even in sight let alone in hearing distance of the place. I realised the dog wasn't barking anymore. What I also realised as I stood there alone and secluded was that I never heard the door open, nor did I feel the air pressure change before I heard the voice. Not only that, no one called me Cal, and certainly not Ron. 
I went back to tiling and finished up earlier than planned. I worked in that house for another week or so before we finished it. I was rarely alone in that time and never experienced anything else while I worked there. I still enter strangers' homes. And still, no one else has called me Cal. And story number three comes from Natalie. I used to work in a residential children's home, which obviously means some possible poltergeist activity, with angry, sad, very emotional teenage girls and boys moving in and out. There was a constant rumour among the staff that the house was haunted. The house was two semi-detached houses knocked together in the middle of a housing estate, so there had been previous residents. Anyway, I was on the sleepover shift. The girl on the night shift was very freaked out having never worked the night shift before. I said I would stay awake as long as I could to keep her company. So there we were, sitting at the top of the stairs on the landing, just listening for any of the ten children getting up, wandering around, etc. It had been quiet, and we had been chatting, so it was a decent night. Then we heard somebody try the door handle. I jumped up because apparently I'm the type to run at an attacker. We were mugged on holiday and I chased the guy who tried to get my handbag. Don't worry, I absolutely know how stupid that was. I looked out the window where we could see above the front door and there was nobody there. So I looked at the night shift and I shrugged quietly. And then we heard it again. A bit rougher this time. And then there were footsteps. And that's exactly the moment when my bravery fell right out of my arse. I just sat, shaking slightly, staring at the night shift, whose eyes were like saucers. The footsteps were heavy, like a big, burly man, turned and started slowly up the stairs. Cue me frantically whispering, Can you hear that? Are you hearing that? Tell me. What are you hearing? The night shift was whispering back, But the door didn't open. There isn't somebody in the house. There can't be. The footsteps came all the way up the stairs. I was sitting at the very top, now on my knees, ready to jump up. They stopped at the top step and that was it. Nothing. No puff of air. No feeling. Nothing. It was fair to say that I stayed up until about 5am and then got two hours sleep. I have long, thick hair, so it used to take forever to dry. Whenever I dried it, I used to hear the floorboards around me creaking and moving. You know what floorboards are like. And you also know that you know exactly what each floorboard sounds like and where the movement is coming from. It was next to me, like someone was standing right there watching me drying my hair. I always assumed it was my nana, my mum's mum. She loved my hair, was my best friend since I was a toddler. I lost her when I was 12 and I used to feel like she was around. I also used to get really freaked out drying my hair because I couldn't hear the room and I was scared that something was there and I didn't know about it. So it felt like she was trying to ask me, you alright hen? But I also found it funny that the sound of the floorboards was freaking me out so much. So she was trying to help, but actually doing the opposite. I went to a psychic who got a lot of things right on the nose. She said, Do you notice somebody watching you when you're drying your hair? And I smiled and said yes. 
and she smiled back and said, Oh, that's good. He loves watching you drying your hair. Excuse me, I thought. Who the fuck is he? So quick backstory, my biological dad was a bastard. He had a short temper and his fists were well used and his dad was exactly the same. So it turned out that my paternal granddad hung around looking for some kind of redemption. Too late. I told her I wanted nothing to do with him. And please ask that he leaves immediately. She said that was my job. If I asked, he would do something when I got home to prove that he was there. And then all I had to do was ask that he leave. So I headed home. And I was sitting in the driveway and I quietly said, Okay, fine. Show me then. I went inside and it was all normal. So I opened the cupboard to get a cup because obviously I'm having a cup of tea after that experience. And there in the cupboard was a cup sitting on its bottom rim at a 45 degree angle. Touching nothing, near nothing, just sitting there, balancing impossibly on the edge of the bottom rim. I grabbed the cup and loudly said, Right, you've proved your point, I'm not interested, piss off. And that was it. I never felt that feeling while drying my hair again. It made me really sad that it wasn't my nana, but that means she's resting peacefully and not stuck hanging around. I kept waking at around 3am. It was freaking me out quite a bit. It wasn't long after the story that I've just told, so I was a bit on edge. When I'd wake up, the dog was already awake, just staring at me. Not proper alert. Just at the end of the bed like he was making sure that I was okay. So I downloaded a sleep-talking app to see if there was noise in the house, like cars outside or the house alarm beeping or something. About two weeks in, I got a voice. A man's voice whispering into the phone which was next to my head it whispered I see you I made everyone I know listen to it everyone said it was my boyfriend fucking with me which would be fine if my boyfriend didn't work away and wasn't home that night I went to bed the following night politely told it to fuck off and never heard anything again I stopped waking at 3am My last one ends on a high, I promise. We lost my gorgeous girl last year. She was a 12-year-old German shepherd and she was just the best, most perfect girl. She was there for me whenever I needed her, so was the best little spoon, a wonderful listener and my furry therapist. After we lost her, I cried myself to sleep every night and most days I'd cry at least twice. I think unless you've been a dog owner that might sound weird but she was my baby and I was absolutely devastated. One night I fell asleep crying and I dreamt that I moved and I felt that big furry mass at the end of the bed. It was my baby girl. I sat up and was crying happy tears. I grabbed her. I felt her fur on my face. I could smell her. In a weird turn of events I heard a voice in my head that I just knew was her. She told me she was fine, it was for the best and I wasn't to be sad. I hugged her and then woke up. I was sobbing when I woke up but I knew I had felt her. I felt her fur, she was there and I didn't cry at night anymore. I felt like she was fine, she was happy. 
thank you so much for listening to today's mini episode of Real Life Ghost Stories and thank you to Ashley, Calvin and Natalie for sending in your stories. Just to let you know, the last story came from August the 10th, 2020 and if you want to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website which is Podcast.com. and on that note, we shall see you next week. <laughs>